So we are in a series where we are looking at the minor prophets. And we have been discussing on the Wednesday night Bible studies, we've been discussing that how many of us, or the Wednesday Bible studies, how many of us have really never read and studied um, much of the minor prophets. Um, and so I don't know if that's true for most of you, uh, but the minor prophets are a great way to really learn about God. I tell people that, you know, when you're, when you're going to study the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, you don't just read one gospel, right? So you read any, all the gospels and together they show us a more full picture of, of what Jesus is like. Well, the minor prophets in some ways do that for us with regards to God as well. And so we read the minor prophets and they teach us something about God. Uh, and so the minor prophets are not minor in significance. They are just short books that kind of get to the point. And sometimes those points are in your face. Uh, and so today we're going to read the book of Nahum. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up. We're going to get to it in just one second. I just want y'all to go ahead and get there. For those of you who are online, you can go ahead and get your Bibles ready. Uh, I encourage you each and every week as you come in here to bring your Bibles with you. Uh, we do not have the Bibles in front of you, the pew Bibles or anything. We will still have some of the scriptures on the screen. Uh, but if you like to take notes, if you want to make uh, notations, it's good for you to have uh, your physical Bible with you. And so that's a lesson that we are learning. Uh, we kind of got away from that uh, for a long period of time and so this is a good chance for us to bring our Bibles with us uh, to church and so we're going to start in the first chapter of Nahum we're going to read the first eight verses and I want y'all to think about it. now we have been talking this morning about the goodness of God now I want you to hear what Nahum says about God and kind of think about how does he reveal God maybe differently uh, than we have been talking about this morning. So let's start in verse one. An oracle about Nineveh, the scroll containing the vision of Nahum the Elkishite. The Lord is a jealous and vengeful God. The Lord is vengeful and strong in wrath. The Lord is vengeful against his foes. He rages against his enemies. The Lord is very patient but great in power. The Lord punishes. His, wind, his way is in whirlwind and storm. Clouds are the dust of his feet. He can blast the sea and make it dry up. He can dry up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. The bud of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake because of him. The hills melt away. The earth heaves before him. The world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can confront the heat of his fury? His wrath pours out like fire. The rocks are shattered because of him. The Lord is good, a haven in a day of distress. He acknowledges those who take refuge in him. With a rushing flood, he will utterly destroy her place and pursue his enemies into darkness. One author wrote of the book of Nahum that we often wish in the church that this was not in our scripture that we often wish that this was not in the canon. It is a difficult book to read. If you are joining me in this study as you read Nahum this week, um, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard text to hear. I don't know if you have ever heard of something called the, um, the Revised Standard Lectionary. So let me give you a little tip about the church. In the Revised 
uh, standard lectionary, it's a, it's a set of texts that the church provides as a resource, not Stockbridge first, but the larger church, provides as a resource for clergy. So they give you texts that they would suggest that you may preach. So this week there may be a text from the Old Testament or a text from the New Testament and it gives you and says these kind of connect and so you kind of take those and if you're a lectionary preacher you take those and kind of work and develop your sermons. I am not a lectionary preacher. I've never preached from the lectionary but, but a lot of clergy are. And the lectionary is it's three years. So it's a three year cycle. And if you follow the three-year cycle, the premise is, if you follow the three-year cycle, then you will have preached from the entire Bible over the course of those three years. It's a pretty cool concept that you, the congregation, would hear somewhere the whole entire Bible. It also forces you to look at texts that are uncomfortable that maybe you wouldn't preach from. You don't always preach every Sunday from John 3.16. You preach other texts. And so that's what the lectionary is meant to do. In the three-year cycle of the lectionary, the book of Nahum will never show up. So you could essentially have been in the United Methodist Church your entire life. You could have been a lectionary, had lectionary preachers that preached to you every week. And you could never have heard a sermon from the book of Nahum. I've only been doing this for 20 or 18 years. Uh, and I have never preached a sermon from the book of Nahum. And when you read it, you will probably figure out why. Uh, it is, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult book. And the absence of Nahum from the lectionary is in some ways kind of a, an implicit confession from the church that we, we don't like the text. I mean, it, it, it's, it's difficult for us to understand. There is a lot of violence that we see in this book. It's a very gory book, it's a very violent book, and it, it portrays an image of God that is uncomfortable for us. And we have to ask ourselves of how do we, how do we teach this in any implicit way? How do we celebrate, as Nahum suggests we should do, how do we celebrate the total destruction of human people at the hands of God. And to compound that, women are portrayed very negatively. It was his culture at the time, I understand that, but portrayed very negatively, actually related to uh, prostitutes. And so you stop and sit there and think, in a, in a world that we live in now, how, how, do, we, how do we hear from this text that doesn't cause harm, harm to, to women. You know, I have a daughter that's in the room. How do, I, how do we bring this text out that doesn't create a poor image with regards to relationships that we have? It's not an easy book. It wasn't an easy book to develop a sermon over. And yet, the New Testament also tells us that all Scripture is inspired by God, Right? All Scripture is inspired by God, empowered through the Holy Spirit to teach and correct and to train us, to equip us for the good work that God calls us to do. And I believe that. So then what's the message that we get from Nahum? As you read it this week, challenge yourself to, to be uncomfortable. One of the things that we have to realize is that 
Nahum again, like we looked at last week with Obadiah, Nahum is not being a prophetic voice to the people of Israel. He is writing a prophecy against the people of Nineveh. And so he writes a little different than what you may have in some of the other minor prophets. The city of Nineveh fell to the Medes and the Babylonians in uh, 612. And so we can tell at least from what he writes that Nahum prophesied before this. But we have encountered or we will encounter uh, Nineveh through the prophet Jonah. And Jonah... At the end of that story, if you remember, and I don't want to get too in too far into Jonah because Al's going to be preaching a message in, on Jonah in a couple of weeks. The end of Jonah, the people of Nineveh come to salvation. And so we can tell that Nahum writes after Jonah. So it's before the fall, but it is after the story that we get of Jonah. And so we have to stop and think about what, what is it that we learn that the wickedness of the Ninevites play in our story with God. And so as I read this book over and over, there were, there were three things, three characters that I want us to pull out of. And I think that we can learn something from each of them as part of the story. So Nineveh, as I said, Nineveh was part of Jonah. If y'all remember the story, Jonah is told to turn and go and preach to the people of Nineveh. And he eventually gives way to that. And he preaches and the people repent. But this is about 100 years later. And what we appear to happen is that the Ninevites never changed. Their repentance was very short-lived. And so for me, one of the questions becomes is, is repentance that doesn't last, is it genuine repentance? When we hear the story of the Ninevites, is it real repentance if we don't really change? Scripture says that the Lord is slow to anger, great in power, but it says the Lord will never leave the guilty unpunished. That again is a difficult text for us to think about. And so I think one of the things when you read, when you read Nahum this week, here's one of the questions you should ask yourself. Thinking about the Ninevites. Are we having a Jonah moment or are we having a Nahum moment? Now you may think, well, what does that mean? Well, are you having a Jonah moment and is, is it a call to turn? Is it a call to repent? Or are you having a Nahum moment, meaning you didn't really change? So last week we looked at the story of Obadiah and Obadiah tells us, that the struggle was the people who looked, the Edomites who looked at the people of Israel, their neighbors, their relatives, their family, the people who were in need, and they were able to disregard it over and over and over again. When we get the call to feel like we need to do better at reaching our neighbors and we do nothing different, are we having a Nahum moment? A couple of weeks ago, we challenge, I challenged you to not get stuck. And so many of you, when you were, home in, uh, you were home and you were online, you entered, we will not get stuck. We will not get stuck. I will not get stuck. We as a church will not get stuck. Will we do anything different? 
We, we, we prayed a couple of weeks ago. We prayed and asked for a burden for the least and a burden for the lost. Did we pray at one time? Do we pray it every day? Will we be any different as we come back and we celebrate together? Will the church do anything different to reach the least and to reach the lost? Or are we just having a Jonah moment? Feel good, caught up in emotion. Or are we having a Nahum moment where we are challenged that, you know what, we really haven't changed anything. Here's the reality for us as a church, and that's true for Stockbridge Church, but it's also true for every church. The church changed over the last six months. Whether we like it or not, the church has changed. Will we change with it? Will we do anything different? I think we can learn from Nineveh what happens if we don't. So that's one person that I see or one character that I see that we can learn from in the story. Another is the message is about the Ninevites, but it, but it is a message to Judah. It's a message that the wickedness of the people will be destroyed, the enemies. See, Assyria holds dominance over the people of Judah, and Nineveh is the, the key city of Assyria. And so Assyria represents all that was evil, all that was evil in that time. And Nineveh was the chief city of that. And so we can learn a lesson through the lens of Judah. We can trust God with all of the evil in the world. When we see evil, we can trust God with the evil. Martin Luther wrote of this book, said, Nahum teaches us to trust God and to believe, especially when we despair of all human help, human powers, and all counsel, that the Lord stands by those who are his, shields his own against all attacks of the enemy, be ever they so powerful. This book expresses that Nineveh did not have a chance against God. Look at what it says in Nahum chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, just flip to this. Chapter 2, verse 13. Look. I am against you, proclaims the Lord of heavenly forces. I will burn your chariots in smoke. The sword will devour your young lions. I will cut off your prey from the earth. The voice of your messengers will never again be heard. You've heard in Romans that if God is for us, who can be against us? Right? There's songs that include that language. If God is for us, who can be against us? But the opposite is also true. If God is against it, nothing can stand against it. Nothing can, you, you can't depend on it if God is against it. I had a friend of mine this week that called me, a clergy friend. I won't tell you the whole entire story, but I will tell you as he called because he had been where he had heard someone in his church gossiping about him. They did not know that he was in the same store. And so they were gossiping about him. And so he called me and he was somewhat upset, wanting to know what should he do. And I have been in those shoes before. So I said, well, I think that the answer is what my mother would say, you take the high road. 
And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, what, what are they doing? And I said, did they follow any of the biblical rules, any of the biblical advice and wisdom of conflict? Did they come to you and offer any criticism? Did they bring anybody with them to talk about what the issues may be? Or did they just simply go into the world and spew gossip? And he said, well, that's what they did. I said, well, then it's not of God. And if it's not of God, then you take the high road. It's not what we want to do, right? We want to walk up, maybe not slap them, but I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, you want, to, you want to get some sort of revenge. You want to make your stand and those type things. But folks, if God is against it, then it does not get the last word. That's what you can look at it when you see through the lens of Judah. So I say to you, if you're suffering grief, Death does not have the last word. God is against that. If you are suffering cancer today, it does not get the last word. If you have pain in your life and it's against God's will, it, it does not get the last word. Gossip does not get the last word. And so we learn through the lens of Judah to trust God. Here's what I know. The pain of loss is defeated by resurrection. The pain of illness is ended through the healing power of Jesus Christ. Racism is defeated by Jesus Christ. Whatever evil you see in the world, remember through the lens of Judah, it will not stand. And so I don't have to fight it. God will fight it. And so we learn from this story. And then finally, I would say to you, Nahum himself teaches us a very valuable lesson. Nahum's name, we've been looking at all the names. Nahum's name means comforter. When you read the story of Nahum, I want you to think about that because you're going to be like, what? Uh, but what I, I get from that is this speaks about God's judgment, but yet it is intended for Judah to be a message of comfort. And so because of that, I believe that there is a message of comfort for us today. See, the reality is God is good, but God is good because God is great. And God is great because God is just. God will not let evil stand. And that brings us comfort today. I'll share a couple of passages with you from the New Testament that kind of echo the same philosophy. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 6. Because this is the serious part to Nahum's story or, or the, the significant part to the judgment. Make no mistake, God is not mocked. A person will harvest what they plant. God is not mocked. We can't play church. We can't play religion. God is not mocked. But in John chapter 16, it says this. I've said these things to you so that you will have peace in me. In the world you have distress. But be encouraged, church. 
I've conquered the world. That's the comfort that we get from Jesus Christ. May we learn today through Nahum's story as we look at Nineveh, Judah, and Nahum himself. Let's pray. Almighty God, we come ever thankful for words that we struggle with. We know, God, that you are a good God, but we also know that you are a jealous God. You are just God. And so I pray, God, that in this moment we don't play church. We turn to you. And we don't just say words of repentance. But we allow your Holy Spirit to move in us so that we are different. We're new creations. And we can trust you in the good and the bad. 